Here's the Smart Retirement Cast brought to you by Smart Retirement Media. Now, here's your hosts, Mike and Matt. Okay, welcome back, Smart Retirement Podcast listeners. This is episode number 16. Here with your host, Mike Points from Central Coast Lending, and my esteemed co-host, Matt Hollander from Century Financial Consultants. What's up, Matt? How you doing, Mr. Mike? I'm living large. January in California feels like July in Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) So they probably got the blankets out, the heated blankets, the fire going over there in Wisconsin. And uh, we've got our feet up, laying by the pool and uh, enjoying the nice weather, I assume. <laughs> I played golf on MLK Day, which was this, uh, we're recording just before the show comes out. But So we're, it was the Monday of the week we recorded. And uh, it was like, you know, it wasn't like a beautiful day, but it was sunny, like 50 degrees, 55 degrees. Just a great way to spend January on the golf course. Where'd you I play? Would make it, I played up in the Paso Robles Golf Club. So you know that one? Yeah, northern, northern yep. Paso. Yep. Yeah. So that, that was good. I I could have shot better. I had the lowest putts of all four people, so that was something to look forward to. But I won't. Um, I can't tell you my score on the radio. So you're not going to elaborate the rest of it. You're just going to say your putts were good, but you don't want to embarrass yourself. Yeah, I threw my bag in the pond and kept the putter. Perfect. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably yeah. a good move. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, speaking of weather and it being the end of January and Wisconsin, the, my 49ers are in the Super Bowl. Ooh. Yeah. We well, the, the nice thing about you, Mike, is you're not one of those bandwagon fans that, uh, you know, the 49ers have been so terrible, no offense, mm. the last few years that now all of a sudden, like, they're a force to be reckoned with. And yeah. you've been through the thick and the thin with them. So I, I sure will, uh, hats off to you being a Steelers fan. Uh, it's been a rough year. Yeah. Yeah. Steelers have a lot to do still, but um, I think that what's cool about the 49ers just in a, in a small nutshell is that, you know, they've got all the pieces working, you know, they've got all the parts coming together, which is a lot like these retirement plans. We try to help our clients with, you know, you got to have, the income going, you got to have some assets to protect yourself from the unknowns and you want to pass some wealth, but you also have to have, you know, what I would say is an ongoing check-in relationship with your financial consultants and with this coaching staff that the 49ers have, it, it looks like the next 10 years are going to be bright and shiny for us. Well, that is if Garoppolo doesn't go back to New England. <laughs> wouldn't that be funny wow well I, I guess i never really processed that thought before well you don't think that uh belichick has that like in his plans of hey let's let brady run out the rest of his career and then we'll bring garoppolo back you've, you've ever they just said it? last night I, I know this isn't a football show but you know i'm a football nerd <laughs> um brady has to make a decision and let the patriots know what he's going to do before um free agency starts wow so He's on the clock, well, and I I just don't know. You know what's crazy is he only gets paid like 
$950,000 a year. <laughs> Only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only. Before taxes. Yeah. Before taxes. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of it, so the Super Bowl will be this weekend. It'll be in Florida, Miami, Florida. And um, I know we got a lot of retirees that listen to us in that state. Um, recently, we just got a call from from Jeff in Savannah, Georgia, uh, just this week. And he was calling in asking about some reverse mortgage things for his, it's his grandmother. So his wife's grandmother. So it's his grandmother-in-law is, um, is looking to access the equity in her home. She wants to supplement her income. She's just on social security now and just has some small savings. Um, and she went through the, the typical, the typical gamut, you know, she went into her bank that she thought would have no problem giving her a loan because she owns the house outright. She wanted to um, just access some funds, take out a home equity line and access the home equity as she needed it. That way she could be tight on her budget. But if she needed some money, she'd still be able to write herself a check and deposit it. The first thing they told her was, well, you have to fill out this loan application because we need to prove that your income is good enough to repay the loan. Right. Right. So that was a problem for her because even though initially she's not going to take out that much money and won't have that big of a payment, they would approve her for a line that when maxed out would exceed her ability to show repayment ability, um, capacity to yeah. repay. Yeah. Repayment. Ability. Got it. Exactly. So then the next thing they did is they went and said, okay, well, I guess we need to get a reverse mortgage. Well, when they looked into a reverse mortgage, they, uh, they told her, they told they, I don't know who, but a, a loan officer in the state of Florida, excuse me, Georgia, yes. told, yes, I get, I'm thinking about the Super Bowl again. <laughs> don't get too and excited, so, Mike. <laughs> yeah. And that they told her, look, what you need to do is you need to get um, your daughter or your um, your aunt, excuse me, your sister or your daughter on the loan with you, which is like totally not accurate advice. Okay. So first of all, when you file a reverse mortgage loan as a borrower, you need to claim that you live in the house. You can't do what's called a non-occupant co-borrower. Right. And then normally with a reverse mortgage, the uh, youngest borrower is the one they build the rate off of. Is that correct, Mike? That is exactly correct. I did confirm that they are over the age of 62, Matt. I asked okay. that, but I said to them, look, you know, if, if that's the route you have to go, because there still is some small income um, proof you have to provide on a reverse sure. mortgage. You know, we talked about that in the reverse mortgage show, which which Jeff actually referenced. He listened to that show and that's what forced him to call in. But that's the there's the ability to show that you can pay the property tax, the hazard insurance for the property, the meaning the homeowners fire insurance. And you can also afford the utilities and the utilities is a calculation that's done by basically total square footage of house multiplied by 25 cents per square foot gets you a total of what your utilities costs are for the month. So that's water, water, sewage, everything. They don't look at your bills. They just, that's the calculation they do. So grandma couldn't uh, qualify for that either. So if, if we wanted to get sister or, um, or um, what did I say, sister or aunt right. on on the loan with her, then they would have to sign a promissory note that says they live they are living in this house as their primary residence. Right. So that might be kind of difficult. So they would have to decide. Yeah, I mean, if they own a house already, that means they're going to have to leave that house legally 
live in the house with grandma. You see where this story totally. is going. Not likely. And you don't want to sign that stuff because that is something the reverse mortgage servicer will look at. They're going to, in those thick stack of loan documents, you sign on the day that you're happy you're finally yeah. done. You, you sign a, what's called a 4506, which is permission for the bank to pull your transcripts over the next 36 months. If they pull the sister or aunt's transcripts and see that they are filing a primary residence somewhere else, that is an immediate call of action to call the note on the reverse so mortgage. So any money that you took out on the reverse mortgage, see a bye-bye, you've got to repay it. You'd have to refinance wow. with either another reverse mortgage or you'd have to get a refinance and pay off the existing loan at that time of the note. Sounds expensive. Many times that's, that runs into a situation where people have to dip into savings or retirement plans or help grandma out or sell the house. Yeah, I was going to say, so what happens, you know, she couldn't technically qualify for the reverse mortgage on her own. She couldn't qualify for a forward mortgage on her own. Um, let's say even with aunt, sister, whoever on the loan, they can't qualify for a forward. You're really in a situation here where you're almost forced to sell the house, right? You can do one other option, which I talked to Jeff about. Um, I, I'm putting him in touch with a reverse mortgage loan officer in the state of yes. Georgia. Thanks to you. Thanks yep. to you, Matt, and your mother, who's also in the field. And um, they're going to explore that correctly because just the way that some of those, just the structure that that loan officer was suggesting makes me think that maybe they didn't do the income calculations sure. correctly. I didn't pull tax returns or social security yet, so I don't know exactly, but the other option that anyone has, which I think was probably misconstrued by that loan officer, is that you can do what's called a non-occupant co-borrower conventional loan and take cash out in a 30, on a 30-year mortgage or 15-year mortgage with a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac product. Yeah. Now, the home equity lines won't let you do that if, you're not, if you don't sign the primary note, meaning you're living there. But the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will let you take cash out. There's one caveat, which Jeff and I ran through yesterday on the phone. The person who you're adding to the note, so sister or aunt or brother or whoever that's helping grandma actually qualify, needs to have been on title for at least six months before they can access the equity. Hmm. So what we did is we looked at that. They are not on title as of now, but they are based on the will. They are the beneficiaries of this real property. So I said, look, why don't you sit down and have a family meeting and talk about why it would be good to get the aunt and the sister on title now, because if they're going to receive that property and they're going to help grandma get access to these funds, then as soon as grandma passes away, they would already be on the deed and they would take over the, the note right away. I mean, there would be no hiccup in requalifying. Sure. You see? So they could go and sell the house if they wanted to. They could clean out the house and have an estate sale and then rent the house. It could be their asset going forward. We talked about that at the end of December when we closed out our show of wealth transferring. Sometimes it makes sense to get on title and, and do a refinance right now before mom's passed away. You know, there would be a small reassessment discussion with that county in Georgia because you're going to have new owners added right. to the title. But she purchased the house in 2015. So not a huge uptick in reassessment. Hmm. Okay. What's crazy is these, I, you know, please don't take this offense the rest of the nation, but the gentleman told me, you know, our house is probably worth about 185,000. That's what the market value is. I looked at this house. 
the thing is gorgeous. It's in this like this like cul-de-sac. It looks like it's 1,900 square feet in California. And that, co- that house would cost a million bucks. Can't even buy a piece of land for that there. <laughs> no, it's just ridiculous. Sometimes I, I'm just so baffled when I deal with other yep. states on how how the disparity in price. Well, it's it's funny. I mean, even here in in Scottsdale, uh, you know, down the street from me, there was houses that were selling back in 2004, 2005 for let's say $130,000, right? And now those same houses are 7, 800 grand. I mean, it's 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 crazy, wow. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a, location, location. Yeah, real right? estate's just I booming. Think, um, <laughs> Well, listeners, before we go to this break, Matt and I wanted to just get you excited for planning in 2020. I know when you sit down and say, all right, we got to have a family meeting. Let's look at what we're doing in retirement or how are we going to make sure we retire in five years? It's tough to get that conversation started. Absolutely. Right, and, you know, we're, we're talking about houses here. And what's the main thing a house has to have to be able to be structurally sound, right? It has to have a, an excellent foundation, right? Yep. So, you know, in today's show, we're going to start part one of our, what, three-part show, Mike? Three-part show, yeah. And so we're going to discuss the wealth triangle. And the wealth triangle really is just kind of help us play a picture and look at uh, creating that sound retirement that uh, I think a lot of you desire and want. Um, So... Today, we're going to talk about building a foundation, uh, creating a, an idea of how to create a plan and figure out how to protect and meet different needs that you're going to have throughout retirement. Uh, going forward, we're going yeah. to have a couple more shows that will build on this triangle. You know, So once we have the foundation built... We're going to talk about how to maybe grow and protect that wealth. So kind of make that triangle uh, taller. And then at the tip of the triangle, we're going to talk about enjoying and protecting that wealth that you have. So, Mike, uh, Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back from the break, we'll jump into the topics of the bottom or foundation of our wealth triangle. Does that work for you? That sounds great. We'll be right back with more Smart Retirement Podcast. Honestly, when was the last time you really took a hard look at your retirement plan? With the market the way it's been, it can be easy to become complacent. A new decade is upon us, which comes with a lot of questions. Can the economy and the market continue to grow? What will the next election do to my investments? Is it time to sell my house before the market adjusts to downsize and take advantage of the equity? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer is simple. It never hurts to get a second opinion from a team like Century Financial Consultants. With over 40 years of financial planning experience. Get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants today to see where you stand and if you're ready for any changes we may face in the coming year. Give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Prepare for an uncertain tomorrow so you can relax and enjoy today. Get a free income analysis from Century Financial Consultants by calling 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Century Financial Consultants, California license numbers 0L23991 and 0175 you ready? Let's go. 
came up in lights. He just wants to be heard. Welcome back, listeners, from that short break. This is your co-host, Matt Hollander, again here with my awesome co-host, Mr. Mike Points. Woo! <laughs> Today we're talking about building our wealth triangle. And we are in part one. So we have to build the foundation for this wealth triangle. So we're going to post this up on our Facebook page, but there's three main bullets that our illustration has for building a foundation. We're looking at protecting your family's lifestyle, meet growing family needs, and starting a savings plan. And so we're going to kind of dabble around that a little bit, come up with some ideas to help build that foundation for you. But you know, the, the main thing I want to focus on for a second is retirement is really a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And so how do we know we're ready for that experience? And how do we make sure that we're doing that properly? So I think retirement has to be looked at in stages. And it's never too early to prepare for retirement. You know, starting a sound plan in your 20s and your 30s is not a bad thing, right? It, it, I know it sounds difficult sometimes to... Uh, you know, put money away when you're at that age. But I mean, take a step back. And for our listeners out there that are business owners, um, you know, you went out there, you created a business plan before you started your business, right? So that was your foundation of that business. And now that you're reaping the benefits, hopefully, from that business. And going forward, that's kind of your retirement plan. So you've got an exit strategy from the business, et cetera. I think retirement has to be looked at the same way. Let's have a business plan or a retirement plan, if you will, um, to prepare properly for that. Wouldn't you agree, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. There's not, I mean, there's always going to be just like in a business plan, some level of unknown, you know, some margin of error. Absolutely. But, but you know, the plan, the, the function of the plan is to give yourself not only peace of mind, but a real road path, you know, part of any business plan, retirement plan, um, you know, real estate investment ownership plan is that you have to be hitting your marks. You have to be able to measure and, and hit metrics to know that you're doing the right thing. Otherwise, all of a sudden you wake up one morning and, you know, you're going to run out of money before you run out of time. Right. And, and don't be afraid to reach out to professionals for help creating this foundation for you, whether it be an attorney, a CPA, financial advisor, uh, your, your mortgage consultant, any of the above, you really need to, I mean, I tell this to my clients all the time, right? They retire once. I retire people every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, so all day. <laughs> right. Yeah. So rely on the professional help that's out there for you. Sure. It might cost you something to do so, but in the long run, what's, you know, what's really going to be that cost? I think some people going into retirement blindly can do a lot more damage to themselves than what that little fee might be for consulting a professional. But, uh, you know, here at the Smart Retirement Podcast, we uh, we like to give advice to all of our listeners. And, uh, you know, again, I'll throw it out there. I mean, creating a plan for me, I've got the software. It's very, very simple for me to do it. Uh, reach out to us, 866-53-RETIRE, 866-53-RETIRE. Um, option one will get you to myself. Option two will get you to Mike. And let's have this discussion. And 
get a foundation built for you and create the planning to do so. So without further ado, Mr. Mike, let's uh, jump into some of the topics we want to talk about today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, first, this is a three-part series, listeners, because I think there's a lot to go over and um, it just breaks down nicely into focusing part one on building a foundation. Um, The the key topics of today's show are going to be protecting your family's lifestyle, you know, meeting growing family needs that you would have as your family is either growing or, as I like to say, to the empty nester is shrinking. Um, And not just starting a savings plan, but starting a smart savings plan, meaning, you know, some people are already saving, you know, 500 bucks a month here and there. I think that's good. I'm talking about starting a savings plan that is going to be specifically for, you know, life's curveballs, retirement, things like emergency funds. So we're going to talk about those things too. Um, just to kick it off, Matt, um, I'm, I'm of the opinion when I sit down, especially with my retirees that, you know, expenses are, are the enemy, right? Totally. And, you know, I, it's so funny. I sit down with people all the time. They're like, well, when you retire, uh, we're going to spend 20% less than what we're currently doing. Right. Yeah. Because realistically, probably that mortgage is going to get paid off sometime in during retirement. Right. Yep. But all of a sudden now we've got 40 plus hours a week to ourselves rather than working. Yep. Uh, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go out and golf. We're going to go out and, you know. <laughs> I call it the we I'm free expense. <laughs> exactly. You know, and the, the grandkids are the grandkids are running around. You know, they want they want you to come visit them. They want to come visit you. Um, you know, you're not just going to sit around and watch Mari Povich with the grandkids. You're going to be right. you're going to be going to water slide parks, things of that nature, museums, um, having a good time, which you should. Um, so. Um, I, but there are other expenses too that come up. And, and I think if you're, if you're in the 45 year old to 55 year old or 60 year old bracket, and you're, you're starting to really think about and plan for retirement, it's hard to manage the expenses are just much different in that stage of your life cycle than when you hit 65. A lot of times you're thinking about paying off your mortgage or, you know, maybe you've got a college savings fund plan you're still paying to. So I want to just quickly split most of our listeners into two categories, which is the transitional individual is someone that's, again, probably between the ages of 45 and 60, 65, that's getting ready to retire. And then there's those majority of the people that I talk to that are 65 or older are retired. And so they're going to be in our second category. We'll call those retirees. So just for the transitional population, um, you know, expenses that you can get on top of that make a lot of sense as you prep for retirement are obviously the mortgage, right? That's a big one. Sure. Um, you know, and the way that I do that is it's not like this is not a way for me to get you to call me so we can schedule a refinance and just lower your rate. That is one way to lower your expense. But a really good way to do that is simply giving yourself um, pay your servicer that your mortgage every two weeks. So as you get paid, make a bi-monthly payment or bi-weekly payment to your, to your servicer. Because what happens here is that it's the same monthly payment for you. Nothing's really changed, but you end up paying a full extra payment to the mortgage company every year because there are 26 
weeks, so 26 bi-weekly payments in a year, right, Matt? Versus right. 24, uh, excuse me, versus, and when you divide that, that turns out to be 13. And if you just pay the monthly payment every month, that's going to be 12 payments. So that makes a lot of sense to people. But here's the part I love about the bi-weekly payment the most, okay? Every day when you lay your head down at night and go to sleep, when you wake up, the bank is capitalizing on the interest that you didn't pay the day before. Right. So it's daily interest compounding on top of itself. And that's what makes up your full mortgage payment. A lot of it is interest. So if you make a payment two Fridays into the month, guess what? On that second Saturday of the month, you just started over with the bank having no interest really for you to compound against. So even though you're making the same payment, more of your payment is going to principal than it is interest. And if you can, this is where, you know, starting a savings plan matters. If you can, I would say, look, set aside a number every month that you can save and not touch, even if it's $300. And I want you to send half of that to your mortgage bank with your biweekly payment. So if you're doing it twice a month and it's $150 a month, 75 bucks extra a month. This is going to dramatically take down the principal over time. I mean, it really is. You'll start shaving off two, three years of your mortgage payment. And yeah, as we that's get, a great idea. So it's a savings plan. Now, you can't really get that money out if you need it, right? Because you've paid your servicer, which is the bank, and they've applied it to your principal. So you want to make sure you set aside enough savings for liquidity. So if you need out of the blue, you need to buy new tires and you don't like using a credit card to do that, you have money to pull on. But really, as you're planning to build this foundation for a savings plan, I'd like you to make a significant portion of that money you're saving go right to your mortgage. Because as you'll see, the snowballing effect will work in reverse. Banks make tons of money off a 30-year mortgage. Yep. And and uh, I'm probably... I'm probably beating a dead horse here. But the thing is with, with expenses is I think one of the biggest ones a mortgage, what would you say the next biggest one is Matt? Uh, you got your mortgage, probably, probably insurance, right? I mean, you've got your mortgage and then you're paying well, or even taxes, right? That's your next big expense, taxes, mm-hmm. healthcare, any of those. Um, you know, so what I'd like to do is just to kind of compliment your idea there, Mike, is to, take our expenses and divide them into categories, right? And so I have my big three. We've got our living essentials, which is our food, clothing, housing, et cetera, right? Gas, yeah. Yeah. And then we have our quality of life category. So that's going to be our restaurants, hobbies. That's the, you know, go out and play golf, go to the Super Bowl, whatever it may be. And then the big stuff. So the big stuff category is going to be travel, new cars, uh, you know, stuff along those lines, new boat, something like that. Right. So when you say big stuff, you mean large, large expenses? Yes. Large expenses. So whether that be the new car, but the biggest thing I want to keep, I want everyone to keep in mind is inflation. It's the one thing that plans that I see that come from other financial advisors, even do not account for inflation, inflation. And that's a crucial thing we have to be looking at in retirement, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go back 10, 15 years ago. And what could you buy a Honda Accord for? You know, just a, a normal family sedan. There are what, 20, 25 grand? 
right? Now or then? N- then. I guess so. Right? And now Great question. you can't get into one that's well optioned probably the way you want it for less than 35, maybe 40 grand, right? So there's inflation right there. So those are things that we need to be looking out for and creating these categories inside of our foundation, I think is going to be crucial. You know, it's so crazy when you say inflation, I like, I feel all of a sudden like the, the classic old guy that's at the barbershop that tells the story like, you know, remember when I was a kid, I used to get cheeseburgers <laughs> for 35 cents. And that's actually true. When I was a kid, we'd go to every so- after every soccer game, we go to McDonald's, and I remember cheeseburgers being thirty-five cents. That was in the eighties. Wow. Uh, you know they're not that much anymore. Well, now now you go to like uh, I don't do a whole lot of fast food often, but let's say I'm out traveling. Let's say you go to Carl's Jr. Right, mm-hmm. and Carl's Jr. You go by and it's it's ten eleven dollars just for a burger and some fries. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So these expense categories you talk about, Matt, um, you know, uh, what I would, so with regards to insurance, what are the, some of the things you, you see people doing in that transitional year? So from 45 years old to six years old that try to help them save, um, meet their, meet the growing family needs. So maybe they've got kids that are, you know, in sports or in high school or junior high, Mm -hmm. And um, how do they save money on health insurance, but also make sure that they have good enough coverage? Um, coverage. So I don't dabble a whole lot in the health insurance marketplace um, just because it's gotten so complicated over the few years. But one of the things that I would suggest is rather than just logging into your state's marketplace to buy insurance is, is really reaching out to a health insurance professional to review some of these ideas. Um you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people run into is they want to save money on a monthly basis. They don't want that high um, premium for that health insurance. But at the same time, depending on the age of your kids, uh, you know, the younger kids definitely are going to the doctors more often. So you want to be paying attention to the deductibles inside these policies and making sure that they do meet your growing family needs, um, I guess, would be the first start to that. And then Mm -hmm. making sure you have enough coverage, right? So make sure that you're talking with a health insurance professional about that and ensuring that if something does come up, you're not going to be paying out of pocket for it. So, Well, I think I've seen it both ways. You know, what I've seen is the health savings account um, that was put in place by, if I'm not mistaken, George W. Bush administration Mm -hmm. uh, was part of that. And that has actually grown some traction with the average individual because there is um, there is many different plans, but you can put you can front load tax free five six sixty five hundred dollars. Sometimes with a family of of four, you can get up to close to ten thousand dollars. Where you if you have that extra those extra funds available to you, you can transfer them to the health savings account. Also lowering your monthly premium because as an insured, you're taking on more risk. Sure. Um, you're going to have, you know, if you, whatever you get a bill from the hospital for, you're going to have to pay up to usually five grand or more as a deductible. But every dollar you write that is eligible on what is known as a 213B form, which is a list of 
all the eligible expenses that you can pay for out of your health savings account, that is tax-free money. So as soon as you transfer the money into the health savings account, much like you transfer the money into your IRA, you can write off the that against your tax liability. You can adjust your gross income. And then if you need funds for something other than eligible medical expenses, you can take it out. But at that time, you would be paying tax on that money because you never paid tax on it at the time in which you put it in. Hmm. You can have this go directly from your pay stub listeners, or you can just open an account and monthly have a bill where you write a check to that HSA health savings account plan. Yeah. And a lot of the big banks have gotten behind this, Uh, you know, Wells Fargo Chase, even some of the credit unions that I've seen now offer health savings accounts. So, I mean, have that conversation with your bank and see if it's a possibility for you. Yeah. And so protecting your lifestyle comes in many different ways, but the health insurance piece, uh, you know, the way the carriers and the hospitals themselves are continuing to um, increase costs you have to start really considering, is it worth it for me to take on these risks? You know, if you don't have four or $5,000 when you start this health savings account plan, really consider what would happen if you had a health event prior to um, saving up the money to pay for the deductible. Right. So Mike, I think we should, uh, we should jump into a break here for just a second. But um, when we come back from the break, I also want to touch on some ideas uh when we're talking about protecting a lifestyle for a family, we really need to be looking at another insurance component, right? We need to talk about life insurance a little bit because if the breadwinner, you know, the earner in the family now is not earning money, what happens to the rest of the family, right? So we have to have that life insurance discussion and, um, we can, you know, we can do that after the break here. So Mike, if it's cool with you, we'll go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll discuss a little bit more of that. Hey guys, Mike points, co-host of smart retirement podcast and a licensed loan officer. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you sat down with your mortgage officer to discuss how your mortgage is going to affect you during retirement or how the current products and laws out there now are different from when you originally got your mortgage. Allow my team of retirement specialists and myself to put together a proposal for you that shows all of the different products and options you have right now. This is something we can implement in the next one to two months that helps you improve your current situation. If you're not able to remove your mortgage payment with your current mortgage, if you're not able to tap into the liquidity, and if you're not able to prepare better for healthcare costs, I want to show you how we can do that. So please contact me by calling 866-53-RETIRE, option two. Once again, that's 866-53-RETIRE, option two, or contact me at info at smartretirementcast.com. Look forward to hearing from you soon. And MLS number 1246224.
Okay, everybody, hope you're enjoying part one of our Wealth Triangle episode. Um, we have gotten through about half the show, a little bit over half the show. Um, this next segment, we're going to keep diving into the ways to protect your family's lifestyle, meet your growing family needs, and continue to continue to or start an effective savings plan. Um, Matt, right before the break, we started talking about the prudence of life insurance. And even though it's not really that sexy of a topic, or I should say it doesn't really put money in the bank um, directly, if not the most important part of the foundation, certainly one of the top three most important parts of the foundation, because at any point in time, the rug can kind of come out from underneath the family. I've seen it um, back in my life insurance days when I got right out of college, I was a life insurance agent. And, um, you know, when you first write life insurance policies, you never expect someone to put in a death claim. Right. But I was able to see how a young Vietnamese family, um, just because of a tragic event, lost their husband, the, the dad, you know, the right. male of the breadwinner of the family and how much that I think we did a, just over half a million dollars on a term policy. And I mean, when I gave them that check, they were literally crying in their living room. They were so happy. Sure. Um, there's a lot of emotion going on, but that was one that uh, a cry of relief. So, um, because this is your field and your expertise, just kind of give us some light on how building a foundation with life insurance has so many different options. Well, I mean, we have to look at life insurance a couple different ways, right? I mean, most people look at life insurance as okay, we put money into it and my beneficiaries get it when I die. And yes, that's partially true and there's different ways to look at life insurance right so the, i mean the big three that we look at is we've got term life insurance which is the one you pay monthly annually however you pay it and it's for a certain amount of time so let's call it 20 to 25 years 30 years 10 years whatever it may be but that's kind of our gap uh life insurance if you will right so while we're working, we want to make sure that we've got that income replacement life insurance. So this is by far the cheapest way to do it uh, is buying a term life insurance policy. Now, on top of that, we've got the other two. We've got whole life insurance and we've got universal life insurance, right? And whole life, uh, some people that I talk to kind of cringe on the thought of whole life because back in the 80s, they bought a whole life policy and they're putting money into it and it was supposed to have these great returns, um, but it did not. And what ended up happening is people put money into these policies and, and lost it. Uh, whereas the universal life is exactly that. It's kind of universal. You can... Um, it's very flexible throughout your retirement. And I strongly... Yeah, I mean, there's ways, there's all different ways to structure that thing, right? Exactly. And I strongly urge our listeners to look into these universal life policies. Give us a call. Let me run a quote for you. 866-53-RETIRE. Um, these universal life insurance policies, I mean, realistically, they can help pay for college. They can help pay for a retirement income need. Um Mike, I mean, you've actually got one of these, but essentially what happens is you can put money into this thing, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month, however, whatever you can afford to do, uh, you put money into this thing. And later on in life, you can start an income stream from this policy. So what I have a lot of clients doing is rather than buying, let's say, a 529 plan, 
uh, for their kids, they're purchasing universal life. Why? Because if your child doesn't go to a higher education, that money that's in the 529 plan to be able to access it now is going to have a penalty assessed to it for you to pull that money back out. Whereas a universal life is universal. You can do whatever you want with it. So yeah, you put the money in, it's growing. Um, at a later date, you start pulling money out, whether it be for college or not, there's no penalty for doing so. And the great thing is you can turn on income, you can turn it off. So let's say you're you know, 50 years old, you turn on the income for your child's college, you turn it off, and then you turn it on again, uh, maybe 10 years down the road for a supplement to your retirement income. And this is a great way that uh, to kind of help supplement one of those key income streams into your retirement. And the best thing about it, Mike, it's tax-free, right? Yeah, so you're saying a couple things here. Let me make sure I'm breaking this down correctly in my brain. So the universal life insurance policy, you'd much like we told listeners to in the beginning segments of the show, they're creating a savings plan that's going to be, remember I recommended half of that goes towards your mortgage yep. just to pay down a large expense. They could consider if maybe they don't have a mortgage or maybe they're fine with the mortgage payment they have. They could consider putting a portion of that into a universal life insurance policy. And you would tell them based on how much they're willing to put into that per month, what their death benefit would be. Yes. Okay. And then what's, so what's the key difference between what you call the gap coverage or term policy and universal life with regards to death benefit payout? Is there? Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. Term's probably going to offer for the same amount of money, a lot more of a death benefit, right? Okay. But, but at the same time, your term's going to disappear after whatever the term's up. Your universal life's going to go for your entire life. Yes, you're paying a premium for doing it, but realistically, you've got flexibility in this. You can take your money right back out from it. Whereas a term, once the money's there, the insurance company says, thank you, see you later, right? Yeah, 98%, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but it's in the 90s. So at 90% or higher of those term life policies never pay out. Correct. But let me say this, I, I think it's a worthwhile or noteworthy consideration where I've heard this this. Uh, strategy, which is buy term and invest the difference. So Matt, you can help with that as well. Well, whereas, yeah, I mean, that's exactly where the universal life kind of comes in. You're buying the term and you're investing the difference inside of your universal policy. You've got that. So you don't have to be going out and purchasing a separate investment. This thing is doing exactly that. You're buying your death benefit and you're investing in an index, let's say. So there's two different types of universal life. You've got a fixed indexed universal life, kind of like you have a fixed indexed annuity. And then you have a variable universal life. And the mm -hmm. key difference between the two of those is one's directly invested in the stock market, kind of goes up and down. Your principal can, can be lost. So that'd be your variable mm -hmm. universal life. And when I'm looking at life insurance, I kind of want this to be our foundation, right? We want to know exactly what it's going to be. We don't want to have to add more money into it to keep it going. So I like to look at a fixed indexed universal life. And just like mm -hmm. our fixed indexed annuities, you're following an index. Let it be the S&P 500, the Dow, the NASDAQ, whatever index it may follow. But your principal is in there. You're paying for the insurance still, but the remainder is growing um, at whatever the investment rate might be. And realistically, mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing growth in these things over the past 15, 20 years, 7%, uh, 10%, somewhere in there that is just remarkable. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's all tax-free. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's tax free if you just borrow against the policy. Correct. Which 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 you know we I think we've elaborated elaborated on in one of our other shows would just reduce the death benefit slightly yep. based on what you borrow. Right? right. So you're basically taking a lien against the death benefit. Right. Payout. You're borrowing against your own policy. So it's not like hey, it's not like a loan where you have to pay it back. Um, sure, there might be some interest credited to it, but. When you pass away, they'll just deduct whatever is outstanding and take it off of whatever the death benefit is. So so if you start this at 45, yeah. or let's just say you started in your transitional years. So again, that's the 45-year-olds to 65-year-olds. Um, and when you hit 70, you've got, let's say you've got a cash balance of like 100 and let's just say 150,000. Are you allowed to access that money freely? Do you have to, can you only like borrow against it? How, how, how flexible is that? Part? Well, I think it depends on how long you've had the policy, right? Just like anything else, there's they, if you just try to pull the cash back out, there might be penalties assessed with it. It depends on the plan that you're in. Um, okay. Usually. But that's usually a shorter time frame, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Um, but usually okay. you're, you're borrowing against the policy. I mean, when I go in to have that life insurance conversation, we're definitely not setting this up for just like a, hey, we're setting this up for five years and we're going to jump back out of it at the end of that. This is kind of a life retirement savings plan that we can create in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, yeah. it, this isn't yeah. something I would run out and do if we're in our 70s already, quite honestly, because you want these things to be able to build a little bit over time. Uh, because at the beginning right. of these policies, they're they're very front heavy with the cost of insurance. Because remember, you're you're buying your insurance and investing the rest. So up front, you're buying the insurance, right? So yeah. just like uh, you know some loans, depending on how they're amortized, you're paying a lot of the interest up front, and then it goes towards principal later on. Same thing is to be true in life insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. And I love that you said it's, it's tax-free money because it's not really income. You're just pulling assets you already have within the policy. Right. Um, what if, Now, that helps me segue into income a bit. Are you, you know, average listener here, you probably have either your employed job or self-employed job. I think it's important, you know, as you're building a foundation to find other ways to create income, other income streams. Absolutely. Um, what are some of the ones you show um, clients that are in that 45 to 65 year old? Yeah. Um, I mean, my bracket. biggest thing that I like to preach to my clients is we need to have at least, at least three different income streams in retirement, right? So okay. first one's going to be social security. That's a given for now, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. 2036 or 2034. Yeah, I mean, that, those yeah. things could change. Um, there's less and less people that I run into that have pensions um, so where do we make up the other two? Well, that's kind of crucial to have your IRA, right? Start investing in an IRA, whether it be a Roth or a traditional uh, 401k, whatever it may be. You're going to have that required minimum, minimum distribution that you're going to have to take. And listeners, great news. Um, beginning of this year, there was a secure act that was passed. Uh, through Congress and uh, came across the president's desk. But a couple changes there I uh, just want to make you all aware of is most people thought that you took your required minimum distribution at 70 and a half. And that now has actually been changed to age 72. So 
Yes. Mm. So that's going to change things a little bit. So no longer do you have to take your RMD at 70 and a half. It's now going to be 72. Um, other couple of things in that, I don't want to get too off topic, but one of the main things, especially talking about building a foundation is when, let's say you have that IRA and at the point, maybe you have a child or you adopt a child, you can now borrow up to $5,000 per, uh, per person. So if you're a couple, it's $10,000 from your IRA and not have to pay a penalty, even though you're under the 59 and a half. Right. So that's kind of cool. Um, anyways, getting back to income, <laughs> just, yeah. just wanted to throw that little bit of information in there. Um, sure. So yeah, you're going to have your required minimum distribution that you're going to be taking for income. So now we've got social security required minimum distribution, right? So now we need a third, whether that be that dividend paying stocks, you've got the bonds that you're taking the interest off of. Um, as most of our listeners know, you by now, you probably understand that uh, I do see a fit for uh, annuities for this type of play inside of your retirement picture. And I mm -hmm. think that's a, a great way to do it because with an annuity, it's like funding your own pension, right? And these things, if they're set up properly, they've got a lifetime income. So no matter how long you live, it's not going to run out. So now we've got Social Security and the annuity as our two main income streams to be able to do that. And then we've got the required minimum distribution, um, you know, as our third segue into that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've, I've just mentioned the transition people so many times this show because, um, you know, in recent research, I've found that many more people watch listening to the show are in the 45 to 60 year old age bracket. But, you know, if you're over 65, and you want to ask us questions about building this foundation because you just feel like you're on some rocky waters here. Uh, maybe last year you had a great year, but you're looking at the, the math here. You're, you're healthy and you're worried about, you know, how the next 15, 20 years are going to go for you in retirement. Please give us a call at 866-53-RETIRE. You know, if you press option two, you can speak directly with Matt. He can talk to you about all these life insurance and income strategies with um, his insurance products. And I can help by, by dialing option one. Mike Points will help with, you know, we can talk about reducing the expenses you have in your mortgage. Um, you know, having 10 years left on your mortgage and thinking you need to pay it off, it can be cumbersome. You know, getting a 30-year mortgage on that remaining balance would reduce the expenses heavily. Now, that doesn't mean you have to keep paying the the lower monthly payment you can pay the larger payment you've been used to paying but we can refinance the mortgage get the payment dramatically lower that way if you have a couple rough months you only make the minimum payment yep. but if you can if you continue to be riding high then make the payment you used to make and now more of that's going to go towards principal so just because it sets for another 30-year amortization schedule doesn't mean you you can you have to stop paying more and you can't pay it off in five years, you can pay it off right away. So, um, you know, these, this is what we're trying to get at through this three part series is building wealth. You know, there's different ways to do it. The foundation's crucial because without that, you know, one bad month or one bad year takes your retirement planning, um, and totally turns it upside down on its head, which is not a great way to have a triangle. Um, but I, I would say, you know, Matt, I want to take one more break here and come back and finish the show. Okay. Um, but before we before we leave, um, I want to make sure that listeners know when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, 
other ways to to capitalize on income, you know, as you're prepping for retirement. And then also some last little things on taxes. So stick around for more Smart Retirement Podcasts. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Honestly, when was the last time you really took a hard look at your retirement plan? With the way the market's been, it's easy to become complacent. A new decade is upon us, which comes with a lot of questions. Can the economy and market continue to grow? What will the next election do to my investments? How can I best maneuver to maximize return? The answer? It's simple. Get a second opinion from a team like Century Financial Consultants. With over 40 years of financial planning experience, give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE. Hey listeners, it's Mike again, the co-host of Smart Retirement Podcast. Did you know that FHA reverse mortgages have mortgage insurance embedded in them? Many times for the first 11 years, you'll be making mortgage insurance payments on top of your deferred interest that accrues against the equity in your home. Let's talk about the right mortgage for you by dialing 866-53-RETIRE. That's 866-53-RETIRE, option two. Talk to you soon. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say Sunshine, she's here, you can take a break I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space With the air, like I don't care, baby, by the way Because I'm happy Clap along if you feel like a Okay, everybody, co-host Mike Points here with Smart Retirement Podcast, here for the final segment of our part one Wealth Triangle show. Um, please listen to all these three of these shows as soon as you can. If you're just tuning in and you, you know, maybe it's it's been a couple months since we put this out, try to listen to all three together. It's a lot to take in, but they really all work together well. Um, as we wrap up this part one, I wanted to mention some other income ideas as you are either prepping for retirement or in retirement. Um, none of these are really like profound and unheard of, but you know, a side hustle is a great way to bring in other additional income for two reasons. First off, self-employed, you know, you're going to have expenses, obviously, but the income you could make from being an Uber driver or maybe you're filing taxes during a seasonal uh, you know, the tax season, maybe you're doing something during the holiday seasons that, um, you know, no one else does, whether it be like putting up Christmas lights or, or working with, um, other partners because of a skill you have can really help you add more income to yours. Um, and then therefore have a better savings plan. What I love about the new tax code is that a lot of people used to have job expenses they can't write those off anymore. Those are 2106 job expenses. Um, so you can't like write off if you work from home, uh, but if you're employed, you can't write off uh, all your gas expenses like you used to if you're employed. But when you're self-employed, you can easily write off more things that you do inside your home to run your business. So it helps you be a bit more tax efficient as well. Um, the other thing I like about being self-employed is that you, know, you don't have to work 15, 20 hours a week, you can fit it in, you know, you can fit it in on a Saturday, go be a baseball coach for a junior college, or like I said earlier, become an Uber driver. Um, I think it's a great way for you to make up the gaps in your budget when you plan to 
uh, meet your family's needs or protect your family's lifestyle. If you sit down with Matt and you need to have $3,000 a year for, um, you know, this new universal life insurance policy that's going to protect your family, the side business is a great way to supplement it. And I think more people, more and more people with the internet today are finding side businesses to be very, very easy to add on. Um, and so that I wanted to say that. And I also wanted to say that, you know, as we wrap up this show, just as a recap, um, expenses are, should be categorized where Matt, you said earlier, you've got your, um, lifestyle expenses, right? The stuff that you do day in, day out, you've, you've yep. got, then you've got the stuff that you more or less are liabilities you have to pay, right? You've got the mortgage, you've got, um, health insurance, things of that nature. But also, what was the big one? You, you're saving for future expenses. Was that it, man? Right. Yeah, so you've yep. got car, future car expenses. Maybe you've got some travel plans. You know, put that all on your, your budget so that you can save accordingly. Once you know what you need to save, really try to set aside a larger payment to go to your mortgage every month. And if you can't do that, at the very least, pay bi-weekly, meaning pay every two Fridays. If you get paid on the 1st and 15th, call the servicer. They will set up this billing for you that you can get your mortgage payment cut in half. They'll send you, they won't send you two payments, but they'll be expecting a payment from you. They can do an ACH or you can call in and make the payment. Um, I've seen so many people be shocked at how much more they see their balance go down when they do this. Um, we talked about health insurance, right, Matt? The value of looking at a home, uh, excuse me, a health savings account where you take on yep. more risk as the insured, but you get the opportunity to stock away money tax-free in your health savings account. You can use it for things that are not medical, but you do have to pay taxes on them. But if you use them for things that are on that 213B medical expense plan that you can find by Googling that, again, it's 213B medical expense plan. Any of those are tax-free. That's you using your money tax-free. You just made whatever your tax bracket is. You just made that back by paying your dentist directly instead of having a dental insurance premium that you pay every month. Um, then we got into the neat um, details of life insurance, right, Matt? We talked about universal life insurance versus term insurance. Term life, yep. And yep. why it makes so much sense, even though the death benefit might be lower to take on a universal life insurance policy that gives your family more control and flexibility throughout your years and life cycle. So you're going to have it now, you're going to have it in retirement. And then we kind of wrapped up the show here with just um, some last little sprinkles of income ideas. Um, obviously, a rental property is another way to make income. We're going to talk about that as I segue into what part two is going to be about. We'll talk about more on the lines of saving and growing your wealth. We'll talk about protecting and saving your, your retirement nest egg, you know, not just by ways of life insurance, but building, building certain um, protections around how you, how your retirement is invested, how much it can go up or down. Um, we'll plan also on how you replace your income during retirement. So, you know, you're used to getting that wage. How are you going to keep that wage? How are you going to keep that right. income? You know, is it going to be by way of, you know, uh, like Matt talked about an annuity, or are we going to start eliminating major expenses in your life so that when you hit retirement, you know, maybe you're, your investment home is paid off. Therefore, your 
you're getting $3,600 a month right off the top. That might, that might feel a lot like the wage you had right before you retired. Um, anything you want to add for part two before we wrap up the show, Matt? Part two, not so much. Um, the one thing I did want to kind of dabble in here uh, while we're still talking about a foundation is when we're talking about taxes, taxes are very crucial when looking at our foundation, making sure that we're not paying too much and having a good plan there. So the one thing I always recommend to my clients is, uh, or even not my clients, is even for you listeners out there, uh, make sure that your financial advisor that you're currently working with is collaborating with your tax professional, whether it be a CPA, whatever it may be, and making sure that everything is uh, working simultaneously together uh, to ensure that you're having you know the best results there. So that would be the one thing I would add there, Mike. Yeah, if you're if your financial advisor or your mortgage loan officer are not sitting down with you or willing to go over these things, please call us by dialing eight six six five three retire. If you're not comfortable just getting on the phone out of the blue, but you want to get some of these thoughts in your head out on paper and write us info at smartretirementpodcast.com is an easy way that will email both Matt and I, whoever is the most relevant to reply will reply to you privately and we can help you without becoming your advisor, or we can gladly start taking over some of the stuff you have because you feel like your advisor is just not staying in touch with you. Um, We want to have a relationship with you, but Really, this show is all about educating you and making this a better smart retirement community for all of our listeners. So without further ado, I think I'm going to wrap up the show, Matt. Anything you want to say? Anything for good of the order before we before we leave? Any announcements? No, I think uh, I think we're good. Uh, Look forward to doing the next two parts of this show. So uh, listeners, stick around for the next couple of shows. Listen through all three and uh, let's go out and make the rest of your life the best of your life. Thanks for tuning in today. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or construed as providing specific investment advice. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. California license number 0175638 and MLS number 1246224. Thursday, I don't care about you, it's Friday.